Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey Bears fans, this is Josh Lyles with Chicago Sports Nation. If you don't know, Chicago Sports Nation is a section of Wegren Enterprises, which is a sports media company that currently covers Chicago, New York, Dallas, Philadelphia, and LA, which covers all the five major sports, hockey, baseball, football, soccer, and basketball. Wegman Enterprises' whole goal is to give fans an opportunity to cover the team they love and feel a part of the action, while in turn giving fans the perspective they can relate to. I do a podcast with Jake Hassan and Chris Nano each week because we're fans of the Chicago Bears. Why we love them are all, I'm sure, for different reasons, but we root blind, blindly for our team. In this episode, Harrison Barzik, a blogger and Twitter admin for Chicago Sports Nation, interviews EJ Snyder, the lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. I've talked with EJ in the past, and his passion is undeniable for the sport of football and his team, of course, the Chicago Bears. His knowledge and ability to scout players can be scary on point and provides excellent insight into players. Without further ado, here's EJ and Harrison. Okay, so uh, I'll just start right in with the first question. What, what got you into scouting? Do you have a football background or just start from the scouts in? Or what really got you going with this? I uh, got into scouting uh, because I wanted to be right. I know that sounds strange, but I've always been, I've always liked the draft. Uh, I always had a large interest in the draft even before it was big business. Uh, but I knew I didn't know a lot about it. And as I as I got more into following and and joining forums online and talking about players, I would I would see th- people say things about players that I didn't think were true, but I didn't know how to prove whether it was or wasn't. So okay. I started watching those players, and then I started to say, "Hey, you know, I think what you said isn't true." And having sort of online interactions, some of them good, some of them bad, about that, and that's how I started, and it became a passion really quickly. Uh, because there was just a lot of information floating out there and a lot of it was wrong. And I felt like that was kind of a disservice to football fans who wanted to know more and, and understand the game more deeply. And these people put out opinions and everybody took it at face value because very few people were doing their own research and mm-hmm. a lot of them were wrong and I didn't like that. So I educated myself and that's how I got started. Sounds pretty similar to me. I actually got this into the bears because of my friends in high school was relentless with his sports arguments, and I didn't have enough info to back myself up. So that's really what got me into it myself, to prove him wrong. Yeah, very similar. Very, very similar. Looking at what people say online or, or conversations you have, and, and people have opinions, and they can't back them up, and you can. And uh, that gets real interesting real quick, as yeah, you well know. That feels better than winning one of those online. Yes, it certainly does, after you've done your research. Uh, so would you say uh, you're an, always an NFL guy or, and you got into college football just more for a scout's purpose or you were a big college guy to start with? I don't have huge college loyalty. I've always enjoyed the college game. Um, I followed the Washington Huskies growing up a little bit because I lived right near campus for about three years uh, when I was in grade school. And that was cool. In okay. those days, just wander down and, and hang out on the field. 
uh, pretty much hang out at the fence. Uh, this was in the sort of Don James era at University of Washington. So I, I appreciated the college game, but I wasn't one of those uh, kids that was brought up with a hardcore college loyalty. Um, did a bunch of growing up in the Northeast and certainly followed, you know, football powerhouses in those days. Penn State was a big deal. Um, big 10 games in general were a big deal. Uh, I wasn't that far south of Syracuse. Syracuse had pretty good football teams. Um, so that, you know, I've been aware of the college game, but certainly when I started scouting, it's all about, you know, that's the main pipeline. So it's all about the college game. And uh, I've certainly become, uh, I don't, I don't want to say more of a fan of college football, but certainly much, much more familiar with all ends of college football, big, small, uh, powerhouse, doghouse, you name it. Yeah, definitely similar for myself here. Growing up right outside Chicago, we didn't have any big real football powerhouses in that area outside of U of I, and that's hardly a powerhouse in today's day and age. So for me, same as you, I kind of wanted to see who was coming to the NFL, who these young guys were, and get some info on them before they even got there. That's what really got me into college ball, too. Yeah, I mean, it's where the the NFL is founded. I mean, all pretty much all the talent comes from, you know, the major college system in the United States. So that's if you want to know the NFL, you really need to know what the raw materials are that's coming in there. And certainly people can change and grow. We see that every year. But the the basics come from college ball. So, yeah, the familiarity with schemes and systems and coaches and and really the players coming out and the skills they have is is what will make you really familiar with the NFL. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So kind of transitioning from that, a little bit of a segue, how are some of these young guys that are on the Bears right now that you've scouted in the past couple of years performing? Are they at or above expectations, or are some guys kind of sandbagging a little bit? I, I think it's always a range. Uh, right now, the Bears are on a bit of a roll with the draft. Ryan Pace and his staff are doing a really good job of identifying talent that fits the system. I think now they have the last piece in place of the coaching staff that they really sort of brought in and chose and, and know what they're looking for in that synergy is is really obvious in the types of players they're grabbing now that fit their systems and i think we're seeing a range of guys we're seeing guys like anthony miller um who got drafted this year honestly if he'd been drafted you know last year and he was the same player if we could just suspend reality and say you know they got him a year ago i think he's probably the number one receiver on that bears team uh from last year you know the fact that he's third on the depth chart is only because they brought in Allen robinson and taylor gabriel and paid a lot of money to do it and he played his his himself really solidly into the third receiver spot in training camp i don't think anybody had any doubt that he was the third best receiver on the team and that's really saying something behind those two guys so i think he's a guy that i scouted loved his game actually called him the best fit for the bears in the draft so i was super excited when they you know traded up to get him or traded a second round pick to get him and um yeah, I think he's doing great. Not going to blame him for the injury. Uh, receivers take a little while to catch on, but I think he's going to start producing uh, at a really high level pretty soon. So he's one of those guys that's, I would say, at expectation or slightly above. Uh, another guy that's exceeding expectations that I didn't scout is Bilal Nichols, uh, the defensive tackle. That guy's come I on love really Bilal quickly. Nichols. Yeah. His game is, I went back and scouted him after the Bears drafted him. He came from smaller schools, so he wasn't on my radar. And, you know, he had a lot of power. He had a lot of raw potential, but it was really about how quickly he could get up to speed for what is a pretty major jump from his level of competition and and harness all those physical skills. And he has come along very, very quickly. I'd say he's a guy that's clearly exceeding expectations. Um, And some other guys have played, but, you know, not 
not shown up quite as much. Um, Iggy, guy from Western Kentucky, the inside linebacker, he's playing behind a lot of talent, hasn't really had a chance to show out yet. Certainly made the team, uh, which is fine, but we haven't seen a ton from him. So I would say he's sort of uh, more information or TBD. We'll, we'll see when he gets a chance, and he will get a chance at some point whether or not he is the player they thought he was. But I think he's a, a Roquan Smith clone in a lot of ways. Interesting. I don't think he's quite that skilled, but physically he's very, very similar. That's yeah, so part of what's so impressive for me with Blow Nichols, uh, him carving out a role on such a stacked defensive front. You know, you thought it was going to be John Bullard and Roy Robertson Harris competing for that other spot. And Blow Nichols is getting a good amount of snaps over there, especially for a guy coming out of a small school. I think that's really cool to see. Yeah, and contributing with those snaps, which is we've really seen is. a lot of small school guys come out and get snaps, but not do a lot with them. They're they're kind of space eaters. They're kind of down eaters. Uh, they'll be in there. They'll support. They'll you know they'll hold their role, but eh, maybe not much more. He's actually made some splash plays and made some impact. You notice him when he's out there, and that's that's pretty amazing for where he came from, where he was drafted. He's made a ton of progress and that's, you know, credit to the coaches, but credit to the young man as well for really stepping up and grabbing hold of that opportunity. It's, it's obvious that he likes coaching because his game has changed. Yeah. I mean, you saw him in that Cardinals game, make an impact plays right off the bat. Absolutely. And I, again, he had the physical skill. That wasn't a surprise, but the polish wasn't necessarily there. And okay. he was going up a serious jump in level and competition. So to see that he sort of melded those two together as quickly as he has is is eye-opening. That's a, that's a great win for Pace and his staff to get a guy down low and say, we see something in him. Our coaches see something in him. We think we can do something with him. Uh, and they have, and very quickly. So that looks like a huge win. Definitely agree with that. So kind of playing off that big school, small school dichotomy a little bit. I think last year, it's a great case study. We got Eddie Jackson from Alabama, about as big as it gets, and little Tariq Cohen from North Carolina A&T, about as small as it gets in the same round. So how would you compare those guys, and how do you think they're doing for where they were drafted so far this year? Uh, Jackson I loved coming out of Alabama. I thought I was pretty sure after he broke his leg that he was going to be underdrafted. Um, I would almost say that the third round was criminally underdrafted. I, I think that's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but he was a first round guy uh, before he got drafted bottom of the first round for sure. But experience at a huge program led that defense was a captain for Nick Saban had experience at corner and safety played really fluidly, which in pass protection, which is what the modern NFL requires of a player uh, in his position, just had a lot of things that NFL teams were looking for and, you know, broke his leg and that just put him out of sight, out of mind. It was a clean break. There really wasn't anything on the medical. The leg was going to be healed and he was going to be pretty much good as new. He's not going to forget how to play football. But that's exactly what happened. He wasn't around for testing. His visibility went down, and the Bears flat out stole him in the third round. And he's a starting safety on yeah. a really good defense. So pretty good one at that, you know. I would say I really like his skill set. I was thrilled when they got him. Uh, I had been, you know, sort of banging the table throughout the process for him. I'd written him up several times. And so I'd say he's right where I thought he would be, which is above where a lot of casual fans thought he might be because his name wasn't that high in the process. Now, Tariq Cohen, I was on the other side of the coin about. I did scout Tariq Cohen. Um, I watched a lot of his tape, and I had questions about whether or not his style of play was going to translate to the NFL. Tariq Cohen got a lot of yards at North Carolina ante with pitch Tariq the ball and see what he does. And 
really playground style. He turned something out of nothing time and again, but again, his level of competition for the opposition was really low. So that makes scouting those small school guys very, very tricky. And the thing I underrated with Tariq Cohen um, when I was saying, hey, I'm not so sure that's going to translate, was his speed. He is flat out fast. He is fast on any level, and he, as we see every week in the NFL, he is fast enough to play at this level and faster than the guys he's playing against, and that will always produce yards in the NFL. So he had a ton of toughness. He showed that at the beginning of last year, came out and really took on a lot of hits that I thought he should have avoided, but yeah. for a small guy, he was he was really setting the stage for, I can do this, I can handle this, and this year he looks even more confident, and that curve's going up, so... I wouldn't call it necessarily a miss on Tariq Cohen, but I wasn't so sure when they drafted him, when they drafted him, I thought, okay, we'll see, gadget player. And another problem I had with Tariq Cohen, which is sort of a blind spot for me, was everybody saying, oh, he's going to return kicks. He's going to return kicks. And I was like, where are you getting that? He has a lot of physical skills to return kicks, but he returned one kick in college. Really? I even I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, he returned one kick in college. Now, to be fair, he returned it for a touchdown, uh, but it was a broken play. <laughs> and he was a starter, and that was largely why he didn't return kicks there. You know, the starting running back doesn't often return kicks. But it was, it was again, a classic Tariq Cohen play, a no, 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 oh, yes kind of play. And that he, seems to be a lot specialized of them. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, look, guys are bigger and faster. Defenses are a little more disciplined in the NFL that he's not going to get as many of those. But the bottom line is, even within a system, not playing off broken plays, when he turns it on, he can outrun most people in the NFL. And, you know, I underestimated that speed on small school tape. Yeah, I mean, you saw that uh, slant he took against the Dolphins where he just started to break away from everybody. He got tripped up at the end, but you could really see him just pulling away from all those defensive backs out there. And those are NFL guys, like you said. Yeah, he flashed that speed early last year and kind of made me step back and say, okay, you were wrong. Uh, you know, you were wrong about that, his translation, because he has physical gifts that aren't just good against, you know, Division II talent or Division Three talent. He's He's got gifts that can play at the highest level. And that's, again, very hard to gauge. When you see a guy at a small school, you want to see him dominate the competition to even be considered for the draft. And he certainly did that. But you really have to question, you know, was that just a factor? of the guys on the other side weren't that good or he really is transcendent sort of physically mm -hmm. definitely so you think uh pro day numbers and combine numbers can make up for that hesitation a little bit with these small school guys like for instance with Tariq Cohen his blazing 40 time did that erase some fears a little bit or is that not playing much of a role with these guys still? uh it plays a role with me but it's in balance um testing numbers and combine numbers are uh a third uh, of the process. So okay. one, one third is tape. Uh, and that's, you know, I don't put that as weight. I just mean it's, it's, you know, one of three elements is a better way to say that one third. Everybody thinks you weighted at 33%. I actually yeah. weight tape a lot higher than that, but it's, it's one of three elements in the process. Okay. Testing and raw combine numbers, another element. Sometimes that shows up guys who maybe were under you a guy like um, George Kittle is a great example, the tight end for San Francisco. Yeah, he yeah. played at Iowa. They didn't use him in the passing game a lot. He had, you know, six or eight decent, you know, splash passing plays in his senior year, but that was about it. Goes to the combine, lights it up. Everybody knows he can block. Everybody knows he's really well schooled in angles and technique coming from Iowa, but 
oh, here's a guy that can run and can jump. Wait, maybe they just didn't, you know, maximize him in that system. So combine and testing numbers can kind of show you those guys. But in terms of weight, I'm giving those mm, 10, maybe 15%. In an extreme case, maybe 20% of the weight. Tape is still the vast majority, 70, 75%. And then the other third, or the third element in the process, which we don't have access to and can carry, you know, that much weight or more or override the other two is all the stuff that coaches get to see. They get to talk to teammates. They get to talk to coaches. They get to talk to scouts who've seen him. They get to talk to his family and his high school coaches. And we don't get any of that. They get all the law enforcement stuff, whether or not he's been in trouble, what his school records are. They get all of that. And we don't have any visibility of that. So we're really dependent on how did he play in games when he had football gear on? Yeah. And how good of an athlete is he? I think how good of an athlete is he is, is really tempting, but you have to go back and say, did that show up in pads on a football field? And see if that all adds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, I know you talked about George Kittle right there as one of your guys. I remember you talking about him during his draft process, which I was a fan of. I know another one of your guys you talked a lot about during your pre-draft process was Mr. Bisky, and if I remember correctly, I think you even said we needed to trade up to two for him before the draft even happened if he wanted to box someone else out. You want to talk about him a little bit? Uh, yeah, I do. I think Mitch is a great player. I was a huge fan of him. Um, folks can go re- go back and read what I wrote about him. I did write that, and um, funny story, I completely forgot about that line. <laughs> um, I... Uh, my editor at, at Windy City Gridiron, Lester Wolfman Jr., um, actually dug that up on draft night and posted it and made my life real interesting. I, I ended up on the radio a couple of times and, oh, wow. and, and talking about Trubisky a lot because I had said uh, back in February, you know, the Bears are at three and if they really think Trubisky's their guy and I think he could be, I would trade up to two to get him and then they go ahead and trade up to two to get him. And, you know, I look like Nostradamus, which again, I had completely forgotten that line in my write up and he posted <laughs> it. Things got really interesting really quick after that, but I love Trubisky's game. Um, I wasn't worried about the one year of production. I understand that college coaches don't always play off the same dynamics that pro coaches do. Uh, he showed a lot of things on film. The biggest things for Trubisky for me were decision making and accuracy. And I, I think accuracy is a very hard thing to teach. I think you can make it better or worse with mechanics, but if you have it, you have it. And if you don't, you're going to struggle, uh, especially at the program because the windows get smaller. So watching Trubisky's tape and watching him put ball after ball exactly where it needed to be on a receiver I thought well he's got the accuracy part he's a sneaky good athlete he's you know tall he's fast he's very strong he's a solid runner Um, most people don't know that he was a Mr. Football in Ohio uh, which usually gets you sort of any ride you want at the college level and he chose to go to, to North Carolina to see if he could elevate their football program and that says something to me as well. He didn't get the chance for three years, and he didn't give up. He kept grinding, and um, he's got a great arm. But he ran a fairly complicated system at North Carolina, and he showed great production when he had the chance. He had very few down games. He had real consistent production. Again, this is a little bit of the flip side of the Tariq Cohen story. He had a great offensive cast at North Carolina. Yeah. Like four of his guys, five of his guys ended up uh, either drafted or on NFL teams uh, the next year, two of his running backs uh, and three of his wide receivers. So I think the tight end um, too, Bug Howard, right? Uh, Bug Howard was a wide out for them. He was an ex. Oh, he was sorry. a big, like, sorry, Des right. Bryant. No, 
He's six four, big like Des Bryant type X. Loved Bug Howard, by the way. Uh, he's still floating around trying to. I think he's on a practice squad right now, but he's been on a couple of different teams. So it was a question of, hey, or is it because these guys are really good, or is it because he's doing what he needs to do to distribute the ball at the right time? Uh, on the right pace, you know, to the right player. And I just got really impressed. The more I watched him, I thought, this is a pro guy. Now, a lot of people want to argue, is this the top guy? You know, is he the best guy? I thought he had a ton of pro potential. Um, He was certainly going to need a little bit of seasoning because he hadn't played that many snaps in college. Mm -hmm. But I had him rated above Deshaun Watson. A lot of people called me crazy for that, especially when Deshaun Watson went on his tear last year. Um, I don't really think it's a... Yeah, I don't think it's a fair comparison to either guy because where a guy lands in the pros is 50% or more of whether or not that guy can produce. Uh, You can put great players in crappy systems and they will not produce. You can put bad players in great systems. And evidence of that, last night's Monday night game between San Francisco and Green Bay, right? The quarterback, C.J. Beathard, right? Not a big name. Uh, you know, a late round guy, a guy who's thought of as maybe a decent backup candidate, journeyman, whatever. Um, Kyle Shanahan's got him looking like an all pro, right? He was shredding the Green Bay defense. In Lambeau. And yeah, in Lambeau with a, with a, you know, supporting cast of uh, a running back named Mostert, <laughs> George Kittle, who I like. And, you know, the top receiving threat was, uh, you know, a guy out of Texas who I really like, Marquise Goodwin, um, but was wasted in Buffalo. There's another perfect example. Um, yep. He did nothing in Buffalo for his first three years. He goes to San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan says, you're a weapon. And all of a sudden, he looks like a top-tier receiver. So where guys land has a lot to do with it. Last year's landing spot on the Bears, not ideal for a young quarterback, right? John Fox was not uh, innovative. Uh, Doel Loggins was either going along with what his boss said or just plain old not very good. It's tough to tell. Um, those two things mixed together. So everybody looks at Deshaun Watson, who goes to a quarterback-friendly coach in Bill O'Brien down in down with the Texans, and yep. he tears it up, and everybody says, Trubisky sucks and Watson's great, and it's never that simple. And now, this year, the shoe's on the other foot. Watson's struggling a little bit, and Trubisky's one of the best-rated quarterbacks through four or five weeks. So, you know, it comes and goes. It's just more proof you have to wait two or three years to really make up your mind about this stuff. But I, I was very, very glad um, when Trubisky got drafted, and I was, it was a very strange feeling. I've said this before because I knew I was one of the only people that was really happy about that decision. I was too. Vast, I was one of the few. Yeah, the vast majority of Chicago was ready to go out and set the neighborhood on fire, and I was privately celebrating out here on the West Coast because I really thought he was a guy that they could work with. And as we all know, it's been a long time since the Bears have had, you know, a legitimate legitimate quarterback prospect who had the capacity to not only manage games but win games for them and I think Trubisky's that guy yeah I certainly haven't seen very much evidence of that happening so far in my lifetime yet unless Trubisky is that guy now do you think he's taking that jump so far in year two because I it looks to me like he is a little bit uh absolutely First three or four weeks, there was always going to be a little bit of growing pain, new coaching staff, new offense, both of them adjusting to each other. Definitely. Uh, thankfully, Nagy is a is a quarterback friendly coach. He understands. He came out, you know, a week before last and said, "Hey, I need to change this to make Mitch more comfortable." Some people took that the wrong way. I think that's the best possible thing for a coach to do. And his ratings are amazing. Um, I've seen in the last couple of days, uh, one of the guys I've become friends with and follow on, on Twitter, Bill Zimmerman, uh, who's a producer for serious, um, NFL. 
is is great at just posting things without comment. And he posted Trubisky's numbers through five games this year and Watts and Deshaun Watson's numbers through five games this year with no comment, just straight up numbers, um, everything, passing efficiency, uh, accuracy, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, rushing yards, average rushing, all that, and just said, okay, here's the numbers. Um, he also po- posted the top quarterback ratings through top five weeks. And, you know, I, I Trubisky's saw that above, for sure. Yep, guys, Trubisky's above guys like Aaron Rodgers, who obviously I'm not saying Trubisky is better than Aaron Rodgers. Let's put that out there. Yeah, definitely Aaron not. Rodgers at this point. Is a at this point. Transcendent, transcendent Hall of Fame talent. And I'm not sure that that's Mitch's ceiling, but is he an above average NFL starter that could be pretty easily top 15? And if the right situation comes, you know, pretty easily top 10? I think he is. I agree. I think, like you said, there are those growing pains that were pretty evident in the first couple of games. But if you look at the last two, he's got over he's got nine touchdowns, one interception, over 100 rushing yards, and he's just been lighting it up. So he's really starting to hit his stride, I think. I think that's true, and you've seen him slow down a little bit. In the first three or four games, a lot of people got nervous because Trubisky was nervous. He was pushing physically to try and make up for the mental processing speed of catching up with the new offense, catching up with what is largely a new offensive cast. I mean, think about it. He's got his top three wide receivers all brand new this year. His top tight end target brand new this year. Um, couple. Uh, one of the people in front of him protecting him knew, or at least, you know, he didn't play a lot with Kush last year. Um, you know, running Kyle, back. Kyle Long, too, for that matter. Yeah, Kyle Long, too. Yeah, didn't play very many games last year. So, you know, he's adjusting to a largely, almost wholly new offensive staff that's coaching, um, offensive players, his teammates, and offensive schemes. So, yeah, there are going to be some bumps. And he looked it. He looked nervous. And when he's nervous, he pushes a little bit physically, and he tends not to set his feet, and the ball sails on him. And everybody just said, oh, he's a deer in headlights. It's terrible. But what they forgot to see was, or didn't want to see because they, they had a narrative in mind, was that during those games, even during those games, when he was definitely leaving a lot of plays and yards on the table, is he was still making pro throws. He was still making good reads, standing in the pocket and hitting the deep out with accuracy, which you know he can do. So it was just a question of, hey, man, slow it down. Relax a little bit, put everything together, marry your feet to your top half, and it's going to happen for you. And it's been it's been really fun to see that really start to gel um, and happen more often over the last couple of weeks. And I think that progression is just going to go up. If you really want to see what Mitch is capable of, watch like the last four games of the year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even the most casual fan by the most basic metric can see his growth so far this year alone. You see his feet were choppy the first couple of games. They're starting to slow down a little bit now, and you're seeing the deep balls that come along with that. So that's very encouraging to see for me. Yeah, and guess what, Harrison? He can throw to the left. Oh, yes, he can. <laughs> I, I suppose you caught that entire controversy of, of Mitch Trubisky can't throw to the left, which is is a bit silly. Uh, but he's he's certainly proven that in the last couple of games as well, that he can throw left just as well as he can throw right. Yeah, I was at that Dolphins game this weekend, and I saw that one deep pass to Taylor Gabriel along the left side, I may note, and it was along pretty nice. Side? Pretty yeah. nice. Well, that's cool that you got to go to the game. That's awesome. Yeah. Before we wrap it up here, I just want to open it up to you a little more. Are there any other guys in the team you want to talk about that you've noticed are playing really well or even playing poorly a little bit? 
Um, last podcast I was on, they asked me, you know, who the breakout candidates were kind of after week three, um, who I thought was really going to be uh, further And two guys I mentioned on offense are guys I've talked about a little bit. Trey Burton, I really thought his usage is going to go up when Matt Nagy came out and said, Hey, I need to make Mitch more comfortable. Look, uh, a, a wide open tight end is a, as a quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback. Yep. So really thought that Trey Burton was going to get a little bit more usage and, Gabriel hadn't run well he'd run but they hadn't connected on a ton of deep routes they were instead using him really largely in the screen game the jet sweep game and I was just waiting for this guy who has a really top NFL speed to start stretching the defense because that was his predicted role when he got to Chicago look this is going to be the guy that takes the top off and they hadn't used him that way they'd run a couple of routes they'd, they'd come close a couple times but it really was only a handful of routes in the first three games and then certainly over the last couple of games you've seen Taylor Gabriel really start to play that role where he you know motions in the slot and goes for it and really yeah. forces that safety to stretch out yeah, he's been definitely a one heck of a threat the last couple of games. I was worried at the beginning that he wasn't going to get those deep balls, but nice, nice to see him connecting a little bit on those now. Yeah, and I think that it plays very nicely with what you mentioned about Mitch. Now that we're starting to see Mitch calm down, marry his feet to his hands, and and get that deep ball mechanic, you know, now that he's throwing it better, they're more willing to let a couple more go. I was a fan. I'm sure we all love to see that. Yep, it's nice to see the Bears with the deep ball. It's been a long time since that's been a regularity. For sure. All right, well, that wraps it up from my end. Anything else you want to add before we go? No, just thanks for having me on. It's been fun talking Bears football as always. And oh, definitely, uh, maybe we'll definitely. Get, back together and get back together again and do it before the draft this year. I love that. It was great talking with you. Great to meet you, EJ. All right, take care, Houston. You too. Have a good one. Welcome.